I'm your host, Bree. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Bree podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro to how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, for the kettle is hot, I am joined again by my dear friend, Rocky Lane. You'll remember Rocky was on the episode with his wife, Sarah, a few weeks back on the regular feed. So I'm going to do a quick re-intro and then we're going to just jump right into our convo. So Rocky Lane, he uses he, him, his pronouns, is a local Austin Black leader of trans experience. He advocates as board chair of TENT, as a leader with Austin Black Pride, as a mentor without youth, and has newly been appointed a public safety commissioner for the city of Austin. His advocacy focuses mostly on community care and networking. His hope is to build a future in which trans and gender diverse people can thrive. He is married to Sarah, and they share their story on a YouTube channel called Swirl Baby TV. Hello again, friend. <laughs> Hello. I have my tea. I, I, have my I tea. love this for you. I have just water because I talk oh. a lot and I'm like, I need to hydrate. So <laughs> I'm so excited to have you back. Me too. Thank it's you best. so much. Of Thank course, you, so you, you were you were obviously someone who's always on my mind whenever I think of like hot topic conversations. Like I could talk to Rocky for hours. So this is <laughs> always a joy. Um, and with this, with this series, I've been mostly focusing on, you know, Black Lives Matter and other hot button issues that are going on. Um, and so today when we record, it's, it's June 26. It's also, we're coming to the end of Pride Month. And I think of Black Pride and I think of you and being, you know, just all the work that you were doing and this topic that we recently decided while <laughs> sitting here together, I think is very fitting, especially as we continue to talk about, you know, Black leadership, paying Black people, actually like the rejuvenation around Black Lives Matter and how much Black people are asked to do all this labor and it is expected that we do it for free. Um, and so you and I were just talking about what do we charge people? Because it's, you know, talking to our white counterparts. And you made the comment of, you know, talking to white counterparts who get paid enough to cover all of your bills for one month after doing one speaking engagement. And um, I've been mentioning it here. If I decide to stay in Austin, I'm, <clears throat> I am looking into doing consulting, getting into DEI work, um, and, you know, finding different ways to kind of build my new mini Oprah empire over here. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to, to talk to you about this. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's, that's true. I was shocked a couple of years ago when I started speaking to people doing similar work 
um, especially here locally, and what they were charging. Um, my wife always says to me, you need to be charging more. You shouldn't do any more free work. And at first I thought it's my duty, right? To like, mm. I got to go out there. I got to champion the people no matter what it takes. If, even if I come out of my own pocket, um, but that doesn't have any longevity and it does it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I started asking around that. I mean, and luckily I have people in my life who I have that kind of closeness with that they'll share this, these details with me. Um, thousand dollar difference on average uh, than what I could make in any speaking engagement that I've been offered. And that's just wild to me. It's wild. Yeah. It's funny. It's that conversation, like not even that conversation, that, that sentiment of it's our duty to do free work and how ingrained that is in society. And, you know, a lot of the time, black people believing like it's just such an honor to be here or you know we we kind of not make ourselves smaller but we kind of try to make i want to say like make ourselves more palatable it's just making people more comfortable like first showing like i'm so honored to be here like and i'm like kind of over that like (laughs) i should be here it is our duty but also like we should be getting paid like we work we all have bills we're all adults and if you can pay our white counterparts to do that you should be very much willing to do that for black people especially because we know that black people are paid significantly less and then you also add in you know the marginalization of you know the more away you are from cis and het the way more or less you get paid so i only picked that apart because i used to tell that to myself all the time like i no longer do free speaking engagements unless it's for specific like nonprofits or small businesses like that is the only time i'll do it but I can make that up by speaking at like really big companies or like doing like really big panels and such like that is my decision to do. But even you and I were talking about that, like setting our rates and, you know, um, telling people like when you when uh, I don't know if it was Sheldon or Tariq who said it to you, who was like, don't don't say what like your minimum is. And I tell you, like, there's I there's a there I charge people just to put a calendar hold on my on my event calendar because I am so busy. And you know, I I, I want black people to, especially black queer people, to really start to value ourselves. And, and you know, obviously, like our money doesn't equate to our value, but showing how much you value yourself by charging this amount. And you know, there's no shame in what you charge. There's no shame. And if it's, you you know, someone else thinks it's too low and that's what you're comfortable with, that is totally fine. But I just want us to feel like we don't have to do this intensive labor for free. Totally. And also that I think sometimes when people are booking, I notice this in my musician work, um, but also I notice this moving into leadership and with young leaders, they often think that they don't have any control over that negotiation process and that the rates are set as, as they are set. I thought that as well. But knowing now that people really are very proactive in how they present themselves, um, what they ask for, how their contracts look, all of that um, is it's been a very eye-opening experience for me as a, as a leader. And I'm so surprised when I talk to new leaders and they're just like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I'll just do it. No problem. You don't have to pay me. I'll just donate, to, donate that to somebody who needs it. And I'm like, but baby, like, but honey, but, but, but honey, you know what I mean? Like, if you can't, if we can't make our, our cell phone payment, then we're the people that need it, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if we're in that position, it's okay to to take that, to take that in. I even struggle with it, but today I thought it was so important that we just like 
give more power to people to set their prices, <laughs> you know, set your prices high, make people not be able to afford you, especially now. Because <laughs> uh, this is an international market, right? Um, now that we can go virtual, you can be charging, uh, you know, I've, I mean, I've heard up to 1500 for some folks, um, depending on what they're talking about. And I've heard up to 5k for some people, of course, they have a backing or whatever, you know, they got numbers socially. But I've heard up to five freaking K and that's in this town. I've never, I've, you know, we got people paying 10% of the bar to musicians in this town mm. right now. 10% of the bar comes out to like $100 for a band for like a two hour set. There are bands that charge maybe 800 for a night, you know, 2,500 for a night and they'll fill the night with like six hours of music, right? Mm -hmm. But that's very few and far between. We're talking about people wanna come off of 10% of bar sales in Austin, Texas, bar sales, and they only want 10%. And then you got other cities that have like a live music tip on, the, um, on your receipt that you can add your tip money through your credit card. So it's like the funneling of money is also jacked up right now. And so it's a lot of like a wild west. And so I got to tell people all the time, like, you do this, you control this, <laughs> set your price high. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also think about like, like you're saying, like, it's, it's honestly a market for black people right now. Like I, if I see one more diversity, equity, inclusion position, that's all of a sudden offered, yeah. I'm like, did y'all not know that black people were working for you before? And I joke, like I a friend was getting on me the other day because I'm like I'm switching into doing this work I mean I do all these speaking engagements for free I might as well get paid for it and so well not anymore I don't do it for free anymore but I'm saying I've lived this experience might as well get paid to it to do it yeah. um but I think about all the times that like you know it's just the checking the box of like having a black person in on it having one black person on a panel or one person of color on a panel and I've been telling people especially here in Austin we have a really big queer community and we have people with significant like Instagram followings, but there's a difference between doing that and then doing advocacy work. Like not saying that you, your representation doesn't matter, but I'm saying, what are you doing with that platform? And I've been having this conversation with a lot of people in town because it's a lot of black queer people who don't have large followings, who are the ones actually doing the work in the community. And so like with me, I, I am very, very very vigilant on bringing people queer people of color queer people who are differently abled queer people who are white but don't have large platforms but are actually like doing really big work in our communities and no shade to the people with big followings it's just like you have this following but what are you doing with it especially here in austin especially here in texas um with austin also like now we're having really big conversations because we're talking about defunding the police and homelessness and everything else that's going on and you know, I think there's going to be a real big shift. And I was just talking to you about like, if I decide to stay, I feel like I've been doing this work, but hitting a wall. And I've been so exhausted because I'm only one person and can only do so many things. And, you know, now there's like this resurgence and I'm really excited for it. And there's so many other people that I want to like shout out and talk about and talk to, which is also why I started this, this new segment. But just thinking about that is just like how, disvalued black people specifically queer black people in our community are and that ranges from you know not inviting us to speak not giving credit to photographers when they take photos not you know highlighting black restaurants you know the list goes on there's just so many things out there 
that are happening to us. And now we have like this sort of platform and, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in seeing how that goes and especially like telling, teaching the next generation, like to set their rates, like you're saying, like, I even had to have a conversation with a friend of how much I should be charging and her and I did like this. We found this calculator online that does the math for you. And so like she put in, she put in the numbers like she would pay for me to come speak. And then I put in what I would charge. And even me, like the internalized black people aren't going to want to come see black people speak. I devalued myself and was a thousand dollars less than what she would have paid to have me come. And so I think about that too like her she's a really good friend it's kelsey who was on a couple episodes ago like we talked about that she was you have so much experience you you know people love to hear you speak and she's like you need to be charging you deserve to be paid and just hearing that was just such a reminder because black people again we were told like for so long we should be so honored and it's, it's our duty and i'm like no like we love the work we do but also pay us it's not difficult mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I had to work really hard to get there too. Uh, and I still am working on that. I think um, I'm noticing that it, like you said, the intersections, when we start to see certain communities try to rise to this work, there is this devaluation of what they bring to the table. And I think that that devaluation does happen from within, but I definitely also notice there's a, a really steep learning curve to be part of some of these conversations especially virtually or uh even i mean even in person like at university level there's just like sometimes i think the number one thing i hear from people speaking for the first time is they're super nervous that they're going to say something wrong right but how can you be wrong about your own experience if that's what we're in fact asking people to do right then you Mm -hmm. can't be wrong about your own experience and i i struggled through this too and luckily i had people like Emmett, right i had people in my corner who were like no i've seen you speak to people you are exactly where you need to be keep pushing forward and what we need now is for more people to be like hey you know like uh talent scouts essentially to be like hey you there i've heard you speak about your experience it is powerful come with me i want to get you paid. (laughs) Uh, And then then they go, yes, I want to do that. And I feel really confident. Um, And that's a really, that's a tall order. That's been my focus lately is making young leaders feel comfortable um, in assuming their power in all of this and their legacy in all of this, especially black trans women in our community that I think are doing beautiful work right now. um, Leading large groups of people (laughs) into change uh in general i gotta give it up for black women in general right like uh black women black femmes are doing the thing i've also seen a huge uptick in like non-binary folk leadership like um and challenging all of this um in a really beautiful way um from the bipoc community um because you know we we got like all these little groups and stuff we'd be talking to each other (laughs) and seeing and we're all speaking like (laughs) I would say each of us gets maybe, especially this month, maybe two or three speaking gigs a week. Mm -hmm. So imagine if we were paying that and we were getting paid for that, a thousand each. Right. Like that's, especially living here in Austin, that's most of our our cost of living. Right. Minimum, you know, plus a little savings. Um, That's thriving. That's that's what I define as thriving. And if it's that- And building wealth in our community too. Like think about that. Right. Right, and and then we live on top of one of the biggest digital com- uh, media com- uh, tech capitals right now. Uh, just a just a huge 
pool of opportunity, mm -hmm. uh, especially right now. Um, and you said uh, DEI, so that's mm -hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, that's the new. So that so I I've heard it referred to as the and I right, but mm -hmm. I like the new version, and I think the equity piece is what what people are missing when they try to hire in. Mm -hmm. And I think you can only talk about equity and really work through uh, access points and equity issues if you have struggled. That's my hypothesis. So you mm -hmm. have to have somebody who has a way of working through a system that's designed against them. Um, because that's something you can't teach in education. That's, that's through hard living, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, like you were saying, hire from within. There's somebody already there who's been having to deal with y'all's racist ridiculousness, right? Or like, maybe it's not racist, just it's like, maybe it's just a little bit too elitist. Maybe it's just, um, you know, not comfortable culturally, and you don't even understand it. You know, like, you don't, and they don't, the other thing people don't get is they don't understand why you can't just hire one black person, like you said, like, they don't get why we need and just check other. a box. Yeah, we need each other, mm -hmm. right? That's why our content is so much better when we're all talking to each other, right? And like a little bit more, I don't know, just cut off or like, I don't know. I always put on just a little bit more of a barrier between me and a non-Black audience or a non-BIPOC audience, you know? Yeah, I mean, you made that comment of like, how can you be wrong talking about your own experience? And and I think back to like when you and I met for a drink that day to talk about your speech for the HRC gala. And I was like, the I think the reason why I like public speaking so much or like why I'm so comfortable comfortable with it is because I'm like, if you mess up, you'll probably never see these people again. Or, and, well, and my whole thing is like, when I started winning awards and like being asked to speak and you know, a lot of people being, you know, hearing things people would say. And I'm like, <laughs> petty me was like, it is so easy to judge from the nosebleed seats when you're watching me on the stage. And that energy has saved me <laughs> so much work. Like just being like, girl, you were up here speaking to X amount of people that people only dream they had this this platform so when people talk about you don't you know who are they 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 ain't signing your checks you're they're not even in your life anymore why do you care and so i've been also thinking if i stay that's that's something else i want to offer is just public speaking training specifically for marginalized people because i mean i just learned how to do this like i learned that my story was important. I deserve to be on this stage. If there isn't a stage for me, I will build one, which is why this show kind of came to be. And, you know, talking with you during that whole time, I was like, they want to honor you. Clearly what you were saying is, I mean, obviously I could talk about you for hours, but clearly, you know, you deserve this honor. You deserve to be on this stage. This is your time to shine. What is it that you want to say? There is no wrong way to tell your story. Um, and also, again, it was great. You did fantastic. So I think, like, especially putting that into our community is so important, especially as we start to tell people, you know, you are, you are worthy of getting paid. And if you want to be paid more and you want to get better at public speaking, I mean, we'll, we'll figure out how many free ones I want to do because also pay me. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely something I, I want to I wanna do. And, you know, with you and I being on this committee for this new event, 
um, that is going to happen next year and seeing how like I always call them like the the young ones because now I'm 30 and I feel like I can um, how the younger ones are like really stepping into their own and taking the helm and I'm just like I don't want to take your spotlight. I can just do over here and do like pro bono consulting if you if that's something you want versus like including me and like bringing me in because I know I can be a very big personality and I don't want I don't want you to keep looking to me for validation. I want you to own your stuff and then come to me when you need help. But I don't need to be all up in the mix helping to I don't need to handhold you and I want you to see that. Um, I want them to, you know, I I telling a friend I, I wish for the day that people can just be like hey I don't really need anything I just need a contact I'm like sure great like you come to me and tell me what you need versus us having a conversation together which I love to do but I want people to really start to believe in themselves I agree um and I've heard that referred to as executive presence coaching just so you know oh. and I think you would be wonderful that you did that for me I think you can just add it just add it to your repertoire of um of offerings and and services when you when you get the consulting stuff going because um, I have heard that that, again, is another really high ticket item um, where they're doing it for like boards of directors and things like that. I have yet to be able to sit through a one. Um, and, and so everything that I've learned, I've learned from you, I've learned from my relationships right, right with, uh, at Tent and things like that. I've learned through my teams. Um, uh, and I've, like I said, learned from a bunch of people. But yes, I agree. The other thing I think is so important about that festival next year, all the leadership that's there was created in a container, right? We started to wrap our arms around each other. It's so funny because of, of the festival name, but we started to kind of rally ourselves together and everybody that's part of this, I most people I have spoken to as well. And we're all kind of like seeing the need to do something like this. But the fact that we're doing this is in itself a very new thing. Um, we're creating kind of more than just a festival. We just don't see it yet. And um, like, like the thing that makes me so excited is I was also a creative and I didn't see myself as a leader. I saw myself as a creative. I saw myself as a, you know, a performer. But I think that our future is in the creative spaces, especially here in Austin. I think a lot of the leadership will continue to rise from those creative spaces because Austin's real big about shows. You know, that's what gets people excited, shows. But now we're going virtual. So I've tried to like also bring people back to the idea that um, shows can only get you so far. You still have to have a signal boosted idea um, that's uh, maybe more passive than a show because mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, busy work in this town that I think people get bogged down in and it keeps them from putting their energy additionally into things that I know you and I really focus on, for example. Right. So I agree with you. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to talk you know, about this idea and the new, like the little minutiae. I want to talk big, big ideas. Let's talk big thriving community. Um, I love, this is one element of that, but I want to get this and this and this and this and this. And I need all of y'all to be leaders, not just one person. And I don't really know how to do that except for let it naturally happen. It's a good, it's good to sit back and watch. Um, it's taken forever. <laughs> um, and I'm surprised that a festival did this, but um, because, you know, it, again, we still have a funding issue in this town. We still have a support issue in this city. If you listen to Black artists right now, right, 
they're, te they're telling the same story of every other industry. So putting a festival out there may put us in a position to be further disenfranchised unless we create something that like is super, super sustainable, not only for the people that attend and benefit, but for the people that are doing it. And that's been my big concern for us moving forward. How do we, how do we create a funnel of money that supports the painstaking work that's happening uh, for these leaders right now? Because um, I've done, I don't know, 80 hours a week <laughs> in free work uh, at, at, at my max time. I don't, I think that'll burn, burn all, all of these beautiful bright lights. They're gonna burn out super, super quick. Uh, and, I, and I have enough history in this town specifically to see how we do that to young black um, empowered people. And that really, really worries me right now. Um, that's but I'm so excited at the same time, you know? Um, so it's just kind of a weird place. And I feel like if we put people like you, and I, there's other really good people that are good at helping reframe the mind around this. Um, and if we put that executive presence coaching or conversations about how to price yourself, I had somebody message me, oh, Rocky, people keep asking me to f speak for free. I just don't know what to tell them. I, you know, my car is broke down. I just don't know. What, I didn't even know I could be charging them. Can you help me? Like, and I was like, I already got you. Just so you know, I've already been working on this for months now, years even. So, you know, and talking about why these systems are, uh, these organizations and these, these businesses are real messed up for not paying people uh, and making sure people have honorariums. Um, there's other people like in Houston, Dallas, they're getting paid all the time. No problem. No problem. Uh, I don't know why Austin has this like weirdness about it. Well, I mean, do you know why it is like this? Do you know why? I think it has a lot to do like when Austin first like really blew up, it was like this really musician styled town. Like Austin wasn't as big and fancy as it was now when it first started out. And so I think back to like Houston and Dallas have always been like these really huge towns. And so I think Austin's still stuck in like this. Like if you think about Torchy's, nope, Tyson's Tacos around the like central Austin, they still have it that you can like play a song for a taco. And I think it was, it was such a struggling musician town that a lot of them would just like play for free to get, you know, the exposure. And I think we have to reevaluate that we have to look at that as like why are we still willing to let people pay for free when we know this economy is terrible especially now with covid and we can't do anything um and there's uh i can't think of her name right now she's a musician in austin she's black oh, i want to say her name's jackie Dennis. oh yeah jackie vinson vinson thank you but she had a whole conversation a, a whole post about that of like how black artists don't get paid what white artists do and i was like not surprised because it, ha it happens in every single industry that black people, people of color, but specifically black people aren't paid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, like I said, as we continue to see how this unfolds and, you know, now that we are really seeing how much like companies are scrambling to like bring in black speakers and, and also like a don't check a box, but B, if you're just going to have speakers come in and not do the dismantling in your organization and company, save your money. Like if I'm going to come talk to a brick wall for an hour for X amount of dollars, I'll do it. But you aren't doing any benefit. You're, it's actually like a slap in the face to your employees of color. Like we're going to come have this person of color speak, but then not hire pe more people of color, not diversify, not change your board. I am so adamant that I do not join boards that aren't diversified. 
and I'll tell people, I'm like, you need to hire, if you're going to have, well, not hire, if you want me on your board, you need to get two more people of color, minimum. Yep. And, 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 you know, organizations I've worked for that are like, when I'm like, I want our board to look like our community. And everyone's like, well, our community is white. I'm like, okay, I want our board to look like who we want to be serving then. Because that whole, like, it, our board reflects our, no, if you want to diversify, you will. Like, I have left organizations and other uh, boards that I'm just like, I can't be the only black person here. It's exhausting. And white people don't get that. Yep. Yep. It's exhausting. The only two boards I'm a member of are Tent, and now I'm, started, I'm, I'm trying to get on the board of Austin Black Bride. And the only reason for that is that I feel like that's the only true balance we can achieve until um, we can get enough leadership available to go and fill these boards. But I, I, again, I can't send people in there by themselves. It's just a ridiculous exercise. Um, ridiculous. And I've always been the diversity hire, so I understand like I come from a long history of diversity hires. Um, and I understand the need for that trailblazing work before, <laughs> like, you know, when I was 19, I'm 37 years old, come on. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm not gonna have the same life as my mom and my grandparents, you know, like that's ridiculous. There should be definitely not just one black person being brought on to these things. And people are ridiculous for thinking that's enough. And they know that they're ridiculous they know that that's the other thing. You're right. They know they're ridiculous. They like, so why are we wasting our time? <laughs> like, I, you know, and then there's like this big mood right now where people are like, I'm just going to make my own thing. <laughs> and right. I think that's, you know, the gig economy is going to take over everything because even the boards feel like they're not doing enough. Like board work feels like it's not doing enough. And it's the individual that's shining through right now. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> consultancies, everyone. <laughs> Everybody uh, put, in a, put a consultant firm up today. Right. And that's the thing too, like I, thinking about working for myself or starting my own consulting business and just being like, I am so knowledgeable. I have created a lot of stuff. And I, and I, for a long time, it was really hard for me to like boast about myself or give myself credit. And that's a whole different tangent for a different day, but you know, for a long time, I didn't consider myself a creative. And my friend's like, you host a podcast, number one. <laughs> number two, you do speak engagements, you sing, you do all these different things. And I'm just like, you know, how, how quickly we can discredit ourselves in order to like, I don't even know why we do it, right? So right. as I continue to think about, like you're saying, what, what we're going to look like moving into consulting, it's like, you're, I've been telling this to a lot of people who've been reaching out to me who like are wanting to share stories. I'm like, your voice matters. And even if no one listens to it or no one reads it, someone, you know, you writing it is enough. You getting it out on paper, on a blog is enough. And especially, you know, as we've seen with like these really big companies of like who were, you know, these larger higher ups who were racist. And, you know, there's a, a I mentioned it before, there's a cheese company here in town and I read an a post a woman who used to work there wrote and I was like oh I will no longer go to them like didn't even <laughs> read her post like oh they're I'm done and she was like you saying that to me was it all I needed to hear she's like I just wanted she's like I just wanted to get my story out there but the fact that you read it and so quickly you know like <laughs> I even went as far as to like unsubscribe for their from their email list and they asked me why and I said because I read an article about how you 
were awful to a woman of color who worked for you and I cannot support your, your company and sent it in. And I don't know if they read it either, but I want them to know you've been put on notice. And, you know, I think that's just so important of like, just thinking of like how much we need to diversify what we buy, where we shop, like, again, back to, you know, supporting local companies, one, but black owned businesses. And that goes from, you know, people are in your community to the places you buy jewelry, you buy makeup, like everything that's pushed into our, our face is usually white owned. And so I've been seeing a lot of people doing the challenge of like going and looking at the stuff on their nightstand and their cabinets, you know, and seeing who makes their stuff. And in 99% of the time, it's a white person. And so like seeing all these bloggers and large YouTubers who are like, I'm going to only purchase from black companies from now on. And just, it's yeah. that it's just that simple, like just doing the work and research and, you know, and, and really finding value in ourselves again when we have been told for so long that that we should just be again grateful agreed and i um also i mean we're all guilty of this right like uh consumerism without any kind of conscience right and uh, it's a big big struggle here in america of course and i feel like the thing that i've found to be most relieving for my brain in this is direct giving direct giving i see somebody in the community that i know is doing the work and they, they really don't have a business or a company they're just doing the work and i think they should be paid i venmo them people have started that you know we, we're thankful to sex worker culture for helping us understand things like putting your cash app out there and being like pay me right uh, because now it's created this world of people who are in fact <laughs> putting that putting their payment information and that stuff works putting your venmo up like once a week does work uh, I, I didn't think it would, <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest. And I was feeling really weird about it at first. But then people kept being like, where's your Venmo? What, please, I want to pay you. Uh, and that, and I don't think people have to wait as long for people to be that obvious. <laughs> you know, you can just be like, uh, no shade, no shame. Put your Venmo out there or put your payment links out there. And then you see that you have a business. And I think the other thing that shows people that is Patreon or similar like things where you can build a sustainable support uh, kind of a set it and forget it because there are so many people that have money where they don't even notice that's gone those dollars or so you know a month they don't even notice but it can add up to you know quite a, quite a little business um, just for things like this like podcasts talking to people sharing your experiences uh, I that's why we started our YouTube a couple years ago because you know I've always believed in YouTube it's helped me significantly throughout my life get my story out there get my music or my art out there um, and I think it's it's a whole new world, you know. I'm I'm excited for all of us to be making the kind of money that we can make. I think that'll be a cool community. I didn't think we'd get this far, if I'm being real with you. Yeah. I thought I would die with you know everybody still not getting paid. <laughs> so. mm, right. Yeah, I was telling you I uh, was a, an adult yesterday and talked to some financial advisors about building like generational wealth because you know just thinking of you know how how many people specifically artists specifically creatives and people of color live paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, I've been fortunate to have a job for the last couple of years, not currently, obviously, um, but the last couple of years where I didn't have to do that and just like how refreshing that was, how much stress was alleviated. And, you know, again, you add in all these societal things already, like being black, being queer, being woman, being a woman, then you add on, you know, anxiety or whatever mental health stuff you may have. And then you also add in, you know, living paycheck, like just the amount of stressors that can add up to your life. And so just 
being able to to alleviate that and and tell all these people you should be getting paid and you know and the thing too like if if some if you tell someone your rate and they get uncomfortable you are allowed to walk away you don't have to negotiate you can make this is this is what i'm willing to charge if you're not willing to pay it that's great but i i value myself enough to be like no this is what i this is what i'm charging and like you were saying like people who are just like i don't know what to do and should i take the free thing and i and you know sometimes you do just because you believe in the work of the organization or what have you but also like you shouldn't be starving when these really big places and people in general can pay you like you're saying venmo and you know it may not be seven hundred dollars but i mean it's exposure it's you know, Venmo can, you know, buy you dinner for that night. Like you don't know how, you know, people are going to want to pay you. Um, so yeah, I, I, there, I don't think there's, I, I think there's also such a shame around asking for money. And I, and I love that we're getting out of that too. Cause I mean, I don't have <laughs> my Venmo list anywhere, but now I'm like, Oh my God, should I add that to my Instagram? And I'm like, probably like, kind of, right? I know. Kind I think of. I'm going to do a highlight of it today. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> drop it in the, the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I think I might just add it because I mean, people ask and, you know, and, and, I'm, and on my website, I have some like consulting stuff there and my rates aren't there. It's like literally email me for my rates if you are so yeah. interested and we can have a conversation. But if it's also the thing of like, we undersell ourselves so much. And so I would rather come in and be like, well, I'm willing to do like I, um, this one organization was like, we want you to come speak to over 200 people for two hours. And so the calculator I looked at was like, how do you value your information per person? I was like, well, I think for two hours worth of time, that's a hundred dollars per person for me and 200 people, you do all the math. And so I was like, okay, I'll come and speak for two hours to 200 people for uh, like $2,000. And my friend was like, that's still undercharging, but you do you. And I was like, oh my God, like, (laughs) so even just that of like, how much do you believe that your value adds to other people's lives? And I mean, sometimes it's just like, you're the only black person they've ever heard speak on a major stage, or you're the only trans person of color they've ever seen speak. And, you know, I just watched the Disclosure documentary on Netflix, which I highly recommend. Um, But even, you know, even being in this community and being an ally and within this community and just like people who are like, you know, I've never met a trans person. Like, no, you probably have. You just don't know it. Or you've never met an intersex person. Like, you know, you probably have. You just don't know it. Like, I've never met a gay person. Again, you probably have. You just don't know it. Like, there were everywhere to the point, like, we don't need to be tokenized, but also pay us and have us come speak and share your space. And, and yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I could tangent about this for days. Yeah, there's got to be a risk payment also associated with people that are taking that visibility mm. risk, right? Uh, and nobody really talks about that, right? The differences and danger, the de- the death threats that come into certain communities, right? Um, and so it's like, yeah, there's got to be there's got to be enough uh, cheddar on the table, I think, to pull some people out, you know, to talk about this stuff. Um, so it is undervalued. I agree. It's been undervalued for way too long. I might raise my rates because of what you said today. <laughs> working. It is working. You did it. You did it again. Yes, that's all I want. I just want us to get paid, live long lives, be happy. I don't think I'm asking for too much here. I don't think so either. I think we can do it. I think we're doing it, actually. I would love for you to stay, but also I feel like <laughs> even if you went, we would still continue to make opportunities for people here, which is great. Um, yeah. Cause Sarah and I see this as a global network uh, and a global solution. And um, uh, I'm just so thankful to you for 
for the opportunity to, to kind of always workshop this stuff. Before I, when I was growing up here, no one was really talking about this. Like even my bands, I'd be like, we need to put up a, a merch booth. And they'd be like, this is dumb. We're not, no, we're not going to do that. And then one time somebody was in my band, they were like, yeah, this is a good idea. You know, like, okay, fine, we'll do it. And like, you know, I'd lug a merch booth in and not sell a single thing, you know, but trying to figure it out in the world where that wasn't really a thing was my, that's my ish. You know what I mean? Like building from the ground up is my ish. So, I, and I feel like you're just such a pioneer for all of us. Um, you know, and showing us what's possible. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for that. You're welcome. I'm like not going to cry, but I might cry later. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming in today. You know, I'd like to end on a final question because a palate cleanser during this heavy, these heavy times and these very heavy conversations. Okay. So as always, what is the best advice you were ever given? Or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self or What's a piece of advice you would give to someone else that, you know, any, anything right now, any, any sort of tidbit you want to, you want to share is beautiful. Yes. My, my tidbit is for anybody out there that might be listening, that is a younger self, um, uh, that probably might be similar to me. Maybe you're black, maybe you're trans, maybe you're just, uh, you know, a leader out there, especially here um, in the South. I want you to know that your legacy is right here and waiting for you to come and accept it. We are already so proud of you. Um, I see so many of you online, reaching out, marching in the streets, doing the things you got to do in a time where this is incredibly terrifying. And we're so proud of you. Uh, and we are ready for you to come and lead. Um, please, please reach out to leaders. We, we are, we just, we're so ready to give you the future that you're asking for. Um, and uh, I just, that's, that's what I wanted to say. I needed that. I'm like doing things. It's like, okay, you're ready. <laughs> yeah. I think people think that young means, you know, like you're 18, you know, it's like, there's so many of us, you know, we're, we, we black. It takes us a while. Right. I mean, we yeah. talk about the youth, you know, it's like, if you, if you still got it in you, I'm talking to you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just keep going, Brie. Like we got your back a hundred percent of the way, whatever you decide. hundred percent. That's it for this week's episode of the tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbree at gmail.com and visit the website, theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to y'all later this week. Bye.